Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Pat. You're listening to Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive. Bye. For more information about us, go to drpatshow.com or transformationtalkradio.com. And a shout out to my producers today, Mr. Benny and Jacob, tag teaming it today. Hey, how are you guys doing? I'm good, Pat. Doing well. How's it going? It's a time of discovery. I mean, that's what my very special guest and I are going to talk about today. What haven't you um, found out about me in the last 20 years? If that's what, what you're... Did, oh, no, you're talking about our guest. Can I tell you oh, what right, I found right, out right, about my you bad, in the past bad. 20 years? Okay, wait. All right, do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Okay. Um, God. Wow, that was a big, oh my God, dramatic what, pause I'm just there. like... I just... The reality of what you just asked just like right? hit me. It's like... The past 20 years mm-hmm. and i'm like oh yeah still doing it still loving it yep that's um, it you know we have been through a lot benny and i i mean you know we've gone through the early stages of what it was like for me to come in crust busting your way to an awesome life was the original show so just remember that and you know the the level by which each of us gets to grow and evolve that's what I've learned without getting into specifics, Benny, is, you know, your ability to grow and evolve and to really stay in tune with what people like me, the hosts that come on and the other gazillion people you work with, where we are. And sometimes it makes sense about where we are. And sometimes we don't even make sense about where we are. But the one thing I love about it is that we all know that we've got to move forward bigger. We all know, even KKNW just have a new website. You know what I'm saying? Um, We're also going to sit down and present our technology to you guys. So we all know we've got to keep growing. And if we don't step into the expansive nature of that, not just on the outside, but also on the inside. And I think Benny, that that's what I've known about you and really has been, for me, the ability to continue to grow on the inside. There you go. I like if it. If we are not growing on the inside, I don't care what technology you got. I don't care what book you write. Doesn't matter. None of that's going to matter because you're living in your own little cocoon. And it's a little cocoon. And when you're living in a little cocoon, as we have now known for the past 18 months, that's what happens. Each of us, thank you, COVID, for this. Each of us has had to really look within to understand what we're capable of. Now, look, I've got a very special guest here today. David Elkington is joining me here today. And I want to tell you about this book for a minute. It's the ancient language of sacred sound. It's about the acoustic science of the divine. And David's here. He's got a fabulous book. We're going to give a copy away. But I must go to start this out with a quote from the book. And I love reading these books. And I... I, I love discovering what people like David are doing in the world. And I've often tried to imagine myself as him, maybe in a past life. But in the book, he starts to talk in the beginning. And I just want to say this, and then we'll go right to David. Because one of the things you should know about him is he's an academic, he's an historian. You know, he specializes in Egypto-Palestinian links, Egyptology. The work that he does and the discoveries he may announce today on the show, special announcement on the show today, talks to the fact that we are here. We know there are secrets of life. We're not quite sure who's keeping the secrets of life. But when I was reading his book, 
as he's, I'm going to just read this, David, if you don't mind from your book. As we know, everything in the universe is resonant. For the universe is made up of frequencies of rhythm vibration. All things, right? All things both radiate and absorb, transmit, receive energy in this fashion. And it, conceivable, it is conceivable that with the correct knowledge, anything and everything can be consciously tuned into. And then the question gets asked because David references the doors of perception. You know, great quote. Here it is. This is how we're going to start our interview. Each person is at each moment capable of remembering all that has ever happened to him and of perceiving everything that is happening everywhere in the universe. David, welcome to the show. Hi, Pat. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I had to start with that because that, I mean, let's start big. What do they say? Go big or go home. <laughs> I, I think that's absolutely right. Definitely. You know, I'm starting with this because, boy, if we could get this right, I mean, really get it. Mm. If we could get it in every cell of our body, I imagine what would happen. I want to ask you this question. This is a life's work for you. And we live in this fascination of secrets and knowing. Tell, tell me from your perspective what the greatest secret is that we are not getting. Oh, that's, um, oddly enough, that's a very difficult question, but also very, very easy. Because the answer is us. We just don't get us. Look in the mirror, look at yourself in the eyes, if you can bear to, and see if you can see who you really are. Uh, and I think that many people will turn around and say, I really have, I'm really having a job trying to find me. Yeah. Because the, I have this kind of belief that the more I've looked into all of these things and all, this, all of these extraordinary phenomena that we're on the edge of announcing, you know, I'm talking about the Pentagon report about the unexplained aerial phenomena. Oh, boy. I'm talking about the idea of consciousness and where it comes from. Um, and if you, look at, if you look at it all and you look at us and then you look at the film, The Matrix, which was taken from the Gnostic um, idea, yep. uh, the so-called heretical Christianity, that the, you know, the, the, the God that would create this world can't really be much of a God because if he was a clever God, then he wouldn't have bothered creating anything at all. Um, and you've got to admit, there's a bit of a point to that. So I kind of look around and then you see that everything is rhythmic vibration. Everything has a frequency of vibration. And you've got to ask yourself one question. What is real? Now, you know, we go to the big laboratories, we go to CERN, we go to, you know, the, the part of finding smaller and smaller subatomic particles, quanta, and they, they still happen to be tiny packages of frequently vibrating energy, and we still can't find matter. So when you look in the sky, are you really looking at loads of stars and things and galaxies and goodness knows what else? Or is it really just an illusion? Is it really just a reflection of our deeper unconscious? That's what I ask myself. And I was just talking about that because I am so I, I am so in let me just say I'm fascinated by connecting the dots. And I, I talk about this a lot. I talk about chicken and the egg. And I said it's never really about the chicken and the egg. It's not really about that. What do we really want to know? Do we really want to know if we came up with that beautiful idea to create dot dot dot? Or was the idea already out there in consciousness and we happen to tune into it and get it? And, you know, I guess the thing for me is I was influenced at a very young age by a man that I didn't quite even understand his phenomenon, his genius. I happen to be one of these old school worked at Bell Labs. Remember Bell Labs? I do indeed. Do you remember yes. Bell Labs? Wonderful right. Bell Labs. Murray Hill. Bell Labs, 
my first job pushing a mail cart, $61 a week, right? Ultimately, I worked my way up to a career. But I happened to get Building 15, and I happened to get the wing that this man, Arno Penzias, PhD, was on. And I'm 17. And every day on a Friday, every Friday, this guy brought in bagels. And he would talk about the universe. Now, clearly, I didn't understand that shortly thereafter, Penzias and Wilson would discover what we referred to the Big Bang, probably on Bell Labs money, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't know how they you did it, up. but they did Bell, telephone company money to some kind of wave stuff. But this is what I want to talk about. I mean, we can't see these things, but yet we are in search for them. You can feel them. You can feel them. And that's what I, that's my takeaway from talking with you. Um, I don't quite understand how we're going to expand our capacity if we don't learn how to feel them. Tell me about this phenomenon and if ancient humanity knew this. Yeah, that's, it's a good question. I've got to say my view of reality as it stands is that I don't think the chicken came first or the egg. I think it's what I call the omelette situation. Thank they you. both arrived at the same time. And I think that the rest has been cooked up by our idea of where we think we are and who we think we are. Uh, so when you're looking at rhythmic vibration, the first thing you've got to think about is, you know, clutch a book in your hand or a plant or, or a glass of water and say to yourself, is this real? Because what you're looking at, scientifically speaking, is a bundle of intertangled frequencies that are actually giving you the appearance of solidity and of matter. So, so I don't want to overcomplexify this for your 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 listeners. Oh, please uh, do! Come on, bring, bring it, David. Come on, don't quit now. I'm skipping the break. Let's go. <laughs> well, I mean, think of it this way: everything in the universe actually is struck by incoming cosmic waves. Now that could be uh, the, the, the shock waves from supernova, from, 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 from great um, galactic distortions. Um, it can be anything. But when something is hit by a shock wave, if it's far away, the effect is very much like that of a bell being struck by a hammer. So, when we go to church, we hear the bell ringing. We, we hear the bell tolling for us. We can hear it vibrating. And we have managed to make out of the chaos of vibration a series of musical notations, which makes the bell very attractive. I live not 500 yards from a, an English parish church, which is almost a thousand years old. It, it strikes the hour. And on Sundays, the bells ring. It is absolutely enchanting. But I'm yes. fully aware of the fact yeah. that what I'm actually um, listening to is rhythmic vibration. Now, the, bell, the, the earth is struck by, like a bell by these great shock waves that come from, 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 from beyond, from quasars, supernovae, and you name it. And in response to those waves, it has a frequency of vibration. And its general frequency is 32 hertz or vibrations per second. Now, by some curious coincidence, and it shouldn't be at all surprising, we, not just human beings, but life on Earth, has actually evolved within the embrace of Mother Earth. And so, therefore, our own brainwave patterns are harmonics of that 32 hertz um, frequency. Now, what's important about this is that it can create an altered state. And you go into an altered state at least twice a day, because when you go into and come out of sleep, you go through that phase where your brain is slowed right down to a beta, theta uh, level, which is 0 0.5 vibrations per second. And you go through the alpha state, which is 8 to 13, 
into your everyday waking state, which is in excess of 30 hertz. So the alpha state's the key point, because that's the one that harmonizes with the Earth. And when we're in that state, extraordinary things can happen. That's when we reach our potential. Because, I, you know, there's this great thing. If you've got a problem, sleep on it. So in other words, they're saying to you, oh, go home and get an alpha state. And it's in that, in that extraordinary state where you can see poetry being written, you can see music being written, you can see, you can see great films being, being brought to, to birth because it teaches us to connect all things. We, we see a greater expanse of the world we live in. You see, you and I every day in our, in our, in our everyday working rhythm we don't bother to look around us. We just think of our job. We look straight ahead. When you're driving a car, you only look a little bit left. You only look a little bit right, but you're most looking ahead. Yeah. But imagine if you're driving in an alpha state. You're looking everywhere, up, down, right the way around. But you're making connections. You're seeing where you are. And those connections come into your mind and miraculous things happen. Now, it's interesting that the, the, the sacred sites around the world, the great cathedrals of the Gothic, the pyramids of Egypt, of the Maya, um, we've got the temples and stupas all over the Far East, were all constructed to actually alter the human brainwave pattern in such a way as to make us open up. And, and I'll give you a, a good point here. Yeah. Europe was from around about... 700 to about 1100 was absolutely riven by internecine war uh, by what we call the, the supposed dark ages and suddenly the, the church, whether you're Christian or not, by the way, whether you're pro or anti, it doesn't matter. The great miracle of the church was to, was to focus the minds of these people and say, now, now, we're going to stop all of this nonsense. We're going to focus our minds on building cathedrals and for you know it was a great miracle this this extraordinary economic outlay on hundreds of these extraordinary monuments that gradually as they as they went up with their arches and their naves and their triforia and the the ogives and the windows the glorious beautiful stained glass windows with the shining that comes through with the sunlight which today cannot be reformulated oh. um you know and as they went up and people started to talk inside them, their voices began to resonate because the sound waves bounced against the windows, the walls, okay? And of course, they were profoundly affected by this because they lived in an age, in an age of no technology, not, not really, not by comparison to ours. So to them, it was a miracle. And how weird is it that, that you know, most of the Gothic cathedral buildings was really over and done with by about the 1280s, 1300s. And less than 100 years later, you end up with the Renaissance and the Enlightenment. We give yeah. ourselves the credit, but we don't have the buildings at all to play in this, which we major. And, you know, I love the idea. I, I agree with you, too. I think the whole chicken and the egg idea was given was was pointed out to keep us in a state of confusion and flux and to try to search for something that perhaps had very little meaning. But it's always the thing that keeps us in a loop. And I want to ask you this question because, you know, there is so much in our history and there's so much in what you write in the book. And I was really fascinated by the journey that you take us on from the beginning question that I posed to you before, as we go through and they we look at one of my favorite words and also one of my favorite musical groups, Enigma, um, and I think about the mystery of the heart now. And yeah. we just went through 18 months where people got a sense of things going on inside of themselves that they've never had the opportunity to have before. It's quite Indeed. remarkable. Yeah, it's really, it's really had a profound effect on people. And yep. Because in a monastic sense, they've actually had time to themselves to think about where am I, what am I doing, why am I here? 
And that's helped them to engage on the deeper questions of existence, which actually keeps us alive and keeps us alive, not just in terms of living and breathing, but keeps us alive in terms of the way we think, the way we, we, we begin to consider ourselves and life on this planet. Because, you know, we're all too busy at work. We're all, we've all got stressful jobs. And actually, we're not very healthy for it because it takes our minds off of appreciation of other life forms beyond ourselves because we have a very humanocentric idea of 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 the world and you know it makes me laugh we we got these great science science fiction films coming out of hollywood star trek and goodness knows what else oh, i was just talking about that you know and yet they're so primitive <laughs> you know it's like sort of we don't realize that we're living in the age that we're 60, 70 years ago, they were making the great black and white films, Earth versus the Flying Saucers. <laughs> and we're, we're still in that stage where in, in 20, 30 years' time... the we're films remaking are making them. Out, exactly. <laughs> they're they're going to be so old-fashioned. And yet the real science fiction is inside the monuments, the great sacred places. And that really is the science fiction. And you know what I like about what's happening now, albeit I wish there were more of it? We're starting to get coverage in weird ways. Uh, I was watching something that William Shatner was was moderating. And I, I thought for a minute, oh my gosh, I'm not He's a great this. man. Yeah. He's a really great man. Cool guy. And I thought, oh, William Shatner, is this, what are we, and it caught my attention and I didn't leave because I saw the panel. I saw yeah. the panel of people that were on that call. And I just thought we need more panels like that because each person brought something to a conversation that left you walking away with something like, ah, oh, whoa. And we're not doing enough of that. And, you know, when I was reading your book, I couldn't help think of how many connections we've had to the gospel, to Christianity, to other religions. And I asked myself, what the heck happened to the generation and era of the goddess? And I think about this because despite what we've done to try to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, dilute. Things like that show up. Conversations about Mary Magdalene show up. Mary Magdalene, and it's also, you also mentioned this in your book. There are clues in the gospel. The question now becomes, which gospel? There's the gospel of Q. There are, there's the gospel of Thomas. But there are messages in here. But yet, I wonder from your perspective, are we getting the messages? And what are some of them that you found that you've put in the book? Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question, actually, because I, I noticed, um, for instance, that um, the word Magdala um, if you're dyslexic, as I am, yeah. <laughs> you immediately see that actually it's not Magdala, but it's Amygdal, which is the shape of the arm. In the tympana of cathedrals, that's the, the, the triangle above the great entrance door that shows Jesus enthroned in heaven with a small sealed book. And he's in this... this um, this kind of, it's an almond type shape, but it's like, uh, like a, it's a, in fact, it's a sound wave. It's exactly what a standing waveform looks like inside one of the great sacred, sacred monuments. And I was amazed at that because, interestingly enough, um, you know, at the beginning of St. John's Gospel, John says of Jesus, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, Okay. Now, what's one word in Latin? It's universe. You see? So, again, rhythmic vibration. And, you know, the female gives birth to the hero who is in the book. She plays a major part. It's not the Earth Father. It's the Earth Mother. Yeah. Okay? So, so in a sense, the hero is the arbiter between us, humanity, and the, the great divine parents, God the Father and God the Mother, um, and oddly enough, in the in the in the very ancient period, 
there was a quaternity, not a trinity. It was God the Father, God the Mother, God the Son, God the Daughter. And you see this everywhere. There's a great balance going on here. Um, I don't think the feminine, in its divine sense, ever went away. I think it did something very crafty. In the face of, of the onslaught of uh, masculinity, it just hid itself away. Because it realized that chaps, like, uh, like me, we can't do without ladies. And that means, I mean that in terms of our thinking, in terms of our inspiration, in terms of the reflection of ourselves, and also that bit of the feminine that's in each one of us. And so, so in a way, the, the, this idea of sound yeah. becomes all the more curious. I mean, I've got a quote in, in the book um, from Hildegard of Bingham, um, which um, is, the singing of words reveals their true meaning directly to the soul through bodily vibration. Great lady, she got it. It took us chaps another two or three hundred years to, to start switching on the electronic monitors to see what sound did. Goodness me. So uh, there's a lot more to this than meets the eye, or should I say meets the ear. Yeah. And, you know, let, when we come back from break, what I want to talk with you about is I want to talk with you about how so connected we are to frequencies, and yet we may not know it. You know, what is it that we think about, and especially as you walk us through the salvation uh, and the soul, I was really struck by this in a lot of ways. I was struck by it because I'm fascinated by many, many things, but also fascinated by the way you talk about the right in the book, and especially the con continuance of the relationship between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And when we come back, how do we take this? How do we view what David, my very special guest, David Elkington, is talking about in the ancient language of the sacred sound? And when you think about this, the ancient language of the secret sound, is it possible for us to tap into that, to know what it is, to understand sacred frequencies of things like the pyramid, and what then might you do with that? Where does it take you to? How often have you heard of ancient legends and heroes bringing this knowledge forward and the sources of these ancient religions and the resonance that is so important? When we come back, we're going to talk about what about modern society? That's us. How do we get that connection how do we tap into the frequency or are we really already doing it in some odd way let's take a short break we'll be right back caring for someone with a life-altering diagnosis you are a care hero navigating the unfamiliar options can be overwhelming but you are not alone tune into a cup of comfort with me trish Lau, twice monthly on transformation talk radio let me guide you through your care hero journey by providing actionable information on how to care for a loved one in need for more information about me visit trishlaub.com that's trishlaub l a u b is in boy.com did you know that when we talk about the earth's ecosystems the most important ecosystem has been left out you, we created the ecosystem approach to recapture human potential. Find us at theecosystemapproach.org. Join us every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for the Ecosystem Approach Show with Jason and Patricia on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles share stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. 
Are you ready to shift your life into overdrive and stop wasting your time? If so, then I want to invite you right now to the Body Regeneration Online Academy with me, Tracy L. In a world filled with so much information, you can get overloaded and confused, left feeling like you've tried everything and still no results. If this is you, then this platform is for you to help you step into your power, your intuition, and gain clarity. You will learn simple tools that you can use as you walk down the street, and I will teach you how to grow a stronger connection to the God consciousness. Imagine having me as your coach, shifting you, uplifting you, empowering you every week, and most of all, helping you stay connected so you can navigate your life's journey with ease and grace. Nothing will be able to get in your way. Plus, you will have a community filled with souls just like you to pick you up when you fall down and support you on your wins. No one can go this journey alone. If you are ready for your live activations, check me out at tracylclark.com and join the TLC Body Regeneration Online Academy now. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's so great uh, to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. As I said before, you know, we have very special guest, David Elkington, joining us here today. The book is The Ancient Language of Sacred Sound, 1-800-930-2819. We'd love to give you a copy of that book. Um, David, before we get, get rolling again, I, I would love to know how people find out more about you, how they find out about the book. And I don't know, is today the day you tell us about the new discovery no that's going to come in a couple of months time we, ah. we did make we actually we did make an announcement um right. about um uh, a few years ago okay. that there's we're we're working on certain aspects of it at the moment which will be uh announced we hope later on this year okay but um in terms of getting hold of me um well, really, through my publisher, Inner Traditions is the best way. I'm unfortunately I'm not on social media at the present time. Um, social media is very censorious, I'm afraid to say, <laughs> and I I just refuse to have to to, to well I, I just refuse to think of the idea of being censored. It seems to me to be not right. Oh um, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Being we have to watch everything we say now. But that's why we're building our own network, so we don't. But you're right. There is a level of that going on. I can't see that God at the beginning of creation was about to utter the word and standing right next to him was a censor. <laughs> Sorry, God, you can't say that. Well, if you're Google and you now have had a fourth, a fifth restriction into the kind of ads, I found out the other day that a way of going off topic now, but we're going to talk about the word when we come back, by the way. Um, but we are back. But I found the other day we were trying to do an ad message for some spiritual messaging. And I found out, oh, no, you can't do that. No more spiritual messaging and ads on Google. So there you go. But it's very sad because the word spirit says so much about who we are. Um, the word experience out of the spirit. So at the beginning of creation, God utters the word, which creates all things, all rhythmic vibration, the, the planets, the, the cosmos, the, the solar system, everything. And spirit is a part of that. We don't know really in scientific terms, of course, what spirit is. At the moment, it's a creative concept. But let's say that actually spirit might well be rhythmic vibration. Now, interestingly enough, you were talking about the Divine Feminine earlier, yeah. about Mary Magdalene, yep. and there's a heavy reference to her in the Old Testament and um, a figure like her, and, and then to Mary herself in the uh, New Testament, uh, Magdalene. A Magdala is a tower, and you kind of think, you know, the Tower of the Flock, Magdal, Ida, etc., and it's like, yes, okay, here we have another place of resonance. And I kind of wonder, when we look at the octave, um, it's interesting, the hero before Jesus in the Middle East, who is born, dies, and then is born again, is called Tammuz. And literally, that word, that name, means child of the seventh. So we're talking about the octave. So what if, if, if the divine feminine is the space in between the sounds that gives definition to what 
the sounds are. It's a curious one, isn't it? It's a curious one, but it's a really important one because it's it's that space that, you know, the only way I can define this is, and, and I'd love for you to comment on this because this references to your conversation in the book about the word. Um, and and just by, by saying the word and just by speech and just by yeah. sound and what we hear or what we don't hear. And I got to tell you, I'm fascinated by two things. This, the most profound experience I've ever had in my life, and you're going to laugh a little bit, I think. It wasn't vision questing. It wasn't talking to rattlesnakes. It wasn't sitting in a home where the nest of lizards were the entire night. And it wasn't trying to make peace with a big cat that wanted to come in my medicine wheel. The most profound thing I've ever done was in building 15. Building 15, you know the phone company back in the day is all yeah. about sound, right? Yeah, that's right. It's all about sound. I, I, whatever we think about the phone company now, forget that. But these people perfected sound through device, but not the way that I knew it. So I go to building 15 and they've got frogs and they got everything in there. And one of, one of the people says, one of the mathematicians who taught me how to juggle said, hey, come in the sound room. And I, and I looked in, I'm telling you, I got scared. I looked in the room, everything was black. And there was a single chair in the corner. And he walked me into a very pretty large room. And he said, sit in this chair, everything, the lights will go off. I've never had an experience with what I view as negative sound. You were put placed into a, what they call an anechoic chamber, it seems to me. And that is a chamber that is wound around and around and around and around with miles and miles of copper wiring. And what happens is that the copper wiring actually distracts any incoming vibration away from what is below it, i.e. the chamber you were sat in. Now, an interesting aspect of that is that if you sit in an anechoic chamber for long enough, your body clock will actually go beyond the 24-hour um, limit here on planet Earth and will be extended by approximately 16 minutes, which, believe and, it or not, is time on Mars. And thank you for saying that, because I found myself, I, I mean, I literally missed mail trips. So I could go, I, I yeah. literally didn't deliver mail to other people. So I could go back and spend my 45 minutes in that room. And I had never had anything like it. Well, because you, what's happening here is that you're, it's almost as if you're in a kind of a womb-like structure. You're actually being fed sound in a, in a way that you're kind of like a, a fetus in the womb, absorbing amniotic fluid. Your mind is going into that, that, that wider space of the, the possibility and potential of where we are and who we are, which again and takes me back to that story of creation from the do. very beginning. Yes. The, the word, where are we, you know? Um, I, I'll, I'll give you an example of the power of words, actually, which your, your, your listeners might be interested to, to learn. It's a psychological test. Yes. Um, I'm going to say one word to you, and I want you to give me the first thing that comes into your mind. Are you ready? Yes. Primitive. What comes into your mind? A picture of an ape. Right. Now then, let's look at the word. Primitive is a Latin word. Well, can I correct myself? Go on. Let me tell you the truth. What came into my mind is a scene from the movie Lucy. Yes. And if you watch Lucy, I'm, you, have you seen Lucy? I haven't seen it, but I oh, know of it. Okay. So there is a scene in, in Lucy where she is in the last, ver, last the end of this, where she is completely transmuted. Yeah. But I was so drawn to what was happening to her. And as she was going back, 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 even universal. So when you said primitive to me, I went to that scene, right? Right. Okay. Now, yeah. actually... It's a good thing. I, the, 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 the film you should 
should go back to in regarding apes and primitive is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yes, oh my God, I love that. And there's a reason why I've said that, because if you mentioned it, but first of all, the word primitive. What it means in, in its, its original Latin is firstborn. Mm. So how does that change your idea of the ape? Suddenly you see people as they are, but they're kind of innocent. And you're thinking about the Garden of Eden, and suddenly we're a blank canvas upon which the experience yeah. is going to tell. That's the power of language. Mm -hmm. Now, interestingly enough, you mentioned the, the ape, and of course, you fast forward to 2001, you've got the monolith. Yeah. My um, good friend, John Stuart Reed, had a phenomenal experience in the Great Pyramid in 1998, and I was there on the morning um, that he emerged. He did a whole load of acoustic experiments there, and um, he wanted to look at the standing waveforms in the pyramid to see how acoustically it, it had been built. Because, to be honest with you, it's an impossible monument. It's, it's acoustically perfect. Okay? So what you do, you, you fire out loads of sound. It's called white sound, okay? And you've got waves of sound crisscrossing the whole lattice of the interior of the king's chamber. But there's one spot where you can stand and the sound doesn't hit you at all. That's the standing waveform. So you're in that thing that Christ is in, that, 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 that amygdal, which is above the timpana of a Gothic cathedral. He's enthroned within it. That's you when you're doing the acoustic experiments in, in King's Chamber. And oddly enough, the standing waveform was precisely the length and right on the spot where the sarcophagus was. So that's, that's very profound in itself. Furthermore, the sound wave um, um, frequencies were all whole numbers. Never had that anywhere on the planet. At Chartres Cathedral, wow. you've got 115.4895 and so on and so forth. But in the pyramid, it goes from 125.000 to 250 to 500 once you go up the Grand Gallery and into the King's Chamber. So John put a speaker in the, the base of the sarcophagus, put a membrane over it, scattered fine sand from from uh, just outside the pyramid, and through the internal frequencies at the membrane. And what did we get? We got hieroglyphs. Okay, and at one point he said there was a pharaoh, the form of a pharaoh, literally coming in and out of the pulsing sound, winking at him. And as you see in the book, um, I haven't shown John's photographs in this version of the book, but, but what I do show is, is an image called the Neberger, which is the double eye of Horus, which uh, 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 a very um, prominent Egyptological professor here in England said is impossible. She said, this is the secret, holy, ineffable name of God in the Egyptian theology. She said it's impossible. This is the most remarkable thing. Um, this is what Robert Watts wrote the foreword for, because when he saw that, he said, this is absolutely astonishing. Um, and this is, the, this is the key point. It, it had proven my thesis. Up to the point John did the experiments, my thesis had been, well, what if these sites were built, they alter our brainwave patterns, but what if the very language we use, when we write it down, we call it script. What if that script had come from the site? So it wasn't so much an invention by humanity, but it was actually an environmental response mechanism. Wow. So wherever, wherever we went, we went to India, we got Indian language, you know, the Sanskrit, we got the Om and all of that. In the Celtic uh, world, in Ireland and elsewhere, we got Celtic knot patterns. Um, in certain Hebrew monuments, we got Hebrew language. And of course, in Egypt, we got hieroglyphs. And I thought to myself, that's interesting, because in all of the hero legends worldwide, the hero is born of a virgin, he performs miracles and wonders, and then he dies for some reason, and then he's reborn. But it's always at the place. So the hero is the arbiter between the earth and us and the sky. And it's the hero in every one of these legends who brings the art of writing. Wow. So you've got a science of sound there in the mythologies and also in the building of the place. So your earlier question, did ancient man know about this? Yes, he did. He knew it unconsciously. Because my idea is that as we emerge from the cave-like environment in, in deeply primitive times, 
we used our primitive innocence to start to explore the world. And what did we do when we left the caves um, and the trees? Did we build banks, schools, shopping malls? No. The first thing we built was a sacred site. Why? Because we had to phone home. We had to stay in touch. It inspired us. Again, that word, inspiration. Yeah. It's yeah. within us. Yeah. And our language uh, and the meanings of language have evolved in this way. He was enthusiastic from the Latin, entheos, in God. Everything goes back to the divine. You can't get away from it. No. I have to tell you this, and let me follow up with this and have you comment it, uh, because I think that this is so important as I look back at things now and I learn how to move forward, you know, how to use my experiences of what I've learned in the past. And, you know, it's, it's interesting as I'm talking about this uh, and, you know, have not studied any of this, but since doing this show, Benny and I were joking for 20 years, I've learned a lot. And I now realize some things that happened when I was younger, even at a very young age. I mean, I was thrown out of Catholic boarding school at age six because Jesus talked to me from the ninth station of the cross. And what he said to me happened to be true. He said, my mother is with you. And I got dragged to Mother Superior, who had a note from my family, my mother just died. And so you got to get thrown out of school because you can't have a vision like that. You know, Jesus just doesn't talk to a six-year-old. It doesn't happen. <laughs> um, but yeah. here's what I've learned about things, and I'd love for you to comment about them. That experience in that, what did you call it, acoustic room? The, the anechoic chamber. Okay. I changed. A part of me inside changed. Now, how do I know that? I started to get ideas about my future. Now, I'm talking to you like this happened like this. It didn't happen like this, David. It didn't happen like this. I'll tell you how it happened. I walked out of an, an experience in the chamber, and I'm walking down the hall with my best friend, Linda, who's our producer who booked you now. And I turned to her, and I said, I'm going to get a PhD. Now, I got to tell you, I barely graduated high school, really couldn't read or write, couldn't put a sentence together. But I turned to her at 23 and said, I'm going to get a PhD. She didn't say no. She just said, yeah, of course, absolutely you will. It took a lot of years later. But where did that come from, David? Well, this is now, right? this is what every single one of your listeners is capable of doing the same thing. I did the same thing. I didn't go to a great institution to, to learn all of this, because at the end of the day, even if you're in an institution, you can only learn it for yourself. And so I went to art school. I, I learned to think much more widely and creatively. So in the end, when it came then to studying on the foci of this, I already had a depth of experience and knowledge about the wider world in order to apply that to the minutiae of, yeah. of, of what it was I was after. And like you, I had an experience in Wells Cathedral in Somerset, built in the 1200s. I'd just been through a, a, a very passionate love affair. I was still very much in love. She'd said goodbye. I was brokenhearted. Found myself in the, in the, the, the wilds of Somerset, in, in Wells, which is the smallest city in, in, in England. And there was the cathedral, and I thought, I'll go in there and have a, I'll have a sulk, I'll have a, I'll have a moan. And um, I saw this great door on the side of the nave, and I opened it, and there was this extraordinary staircase, and it's in the book, it's, it's in one of the, the plates yeah. in the book. And you, you can see the stairs are worn, so from, from centuries of use, and you go up, and they reach up, and they, they, they spiral round. And as I, as I, as I close the door behind me, I crept up and then I could hear a choir practicing for Christmas, which is only a few weeks away. And suddenly that was it. I was no longer in my body. I was somewhere else. Yep. And I, I came out of that experience about 15 minutes later and it, that was it. I was on the quest. I wanted to know what happened. Why did it happen? And like you, I could see things ahead of time. 
And I suspect that what happens is that being in that chamber, like I was in this in this stairwell leading up to the chapter house, we had suddenly reached a point sound wise where we were no longer in the past or in the future. You were in the here and now, the eternal now. And in that moment of timelessness, you can choose where you want to be. So you can see ahead. And then you've got your, you, you, you can kind of, it's like being a bit of a, imagine being a fisherman. Yeah. And you're on the river and your fish aren't really fish. They're standing waveforms. They're, they're, they're elements of the eternal now. And you're throwing your hook in and suddenly what's happening? The hook is saying to you, right, this is where you're going to go. So you're hooking, you're hooking the future and you're pulling it to you. You're, you're folding time as, as Frank Herbert would have said in his yes. novels about Dune, you know? And and it's possible. You can anybody can do this. Um, your listeners should actually go to the mirror when they go to brush their teeth at night and look at the back of the arches of the throat. They're exactly the same as the Gothic cathedrals. Now, the great tragedy today is that the um, church, particularly here in England, is falling to pieces because it's lost touch with the past and it's lost touch with what essentially is the spiritual technology of churches and cathedrals. So now they're, they're using Bluetooth microphones to talk to people in their sermons. And hey, guys, you don't need this rubbish because you've got a great big monument oh my to the God, yeah. voice. And oh, if yeah. you learn to use it properly, I mean, I've seen, I've seen uh, people going into cathedrals uh, for Christmas carols and they hear the wonderful medieval choral music for Christmas. And I've seen them coming out in tears. Yes. Because that's what it does to you. It I grabs know. you emotionally, spiritually, and it yeah. links you back to Mother Earth in a way that, that tells you how fragile we are as a, as a, as a planet, as a race. Mm. But it also, it does something else. It opens you up. It tells you what we're capable of on the inside. I love that example yeah. you gave. I mean, I am from New York and a very young age, St. Patrick's Cathedral and what would yeah. come out of there. And even going back to it now recently and seeing the construction and just the beauty of it. I mean, to just spend time in that space. And if you speak in that space, you can hear it. I mean, there's yeah. something yeah. that happens. And I don't know why people don't speak in that space, right? You know, so yeah. I, I tend to pray out loud. If you go into a cathedral like that, there's nobody in there. You sit down and you do what you want to do. Um, David, I can't thank you enough for today. Thank you so much for this fantastic book. But more importantly, we want to keep on the lookout to make sure we are part of your announcement. Thank you for today. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? I'd like you to leave, uh, leave you with a message of hope to say that, that we look around the world, we look at what the media are feeding us news-wise, and my, my, my idea and my message to people is don't look at them, look at yourself. Where, look at the world around you and realize quite how beautiful it really is. Yeah. And go to your churches, sing your hymns, use your voice, listen to the technology of these wonderful places and be alive mm. and be thankful for it because that's the message that Christ was trying to tell us. And I think it's still very, very important. I love it. Thank you, David, so much. Wow. Uh, and for those of you out there, the ancient language of sacred sound, by the way, here we go. Um, we're going to take a short break, everybody. We'll be back on transformation talkradio.com. 